Well, well, well. It's been a little while, mm-hmm. but we are back. Better than ever. And better than ever. Hashtag 59 podcast season four. Switchback. Switchbacks. And. Yeah, there's multiple switchbacks. And sandwiches. And the sandwiches. Uh, Mike R. and Jill G. Back here. Uh, welcoming you back to another episode. We have been. I've been putting on a lot of trash cleanups through hashtag 59. Mm-hmm. And you've been putting on a lot of Alzheimer's fundraising walks. Yep. But we haven't done a lot of hiking. Well, we have now. Until we got to Ecuador. Yes, until we got here. So, <clears throat> last episode was Bend, Oregon. We headed east, and we did what we just talked about. And uh, we are currently recording this from the Secret Garden Cotopaxi near Cotopaxi National Park in Ecuador. But mainland Ecuador is going to be part two of this two-part episode. And today, we are talking about the hikes we did in the Galapagos Islands. Mm-hmm. We just got back a few days ago. What a place. Yeah, many would think it's just crystal blue water and that you just get to hang out, but they don't go with Mike R., who makes it an absolute adventure trip. And I always kind of had put off, I know, you know, my dad had talked to us mm-hmm. about it. We always joke around about how he, when he first mentioned the Galapagos and his fascination with it, that you thought it it was made up. Was I thought a, it was like a far-off land. Well, it is a far-off land, but I'd never heard of it before. So for those of you not familiar with the Galapagos, they are a string of volcanic islands with the most endemic species than anywhere else in the entire world off the coast of Ecuador. You basically fly into Quito or Guayaquil, Ecuador, and then you take a flight east. And it was honestly one of the most incredible places I've ever visited. Agreed. But we're talking about two things specifically today. Yes. There. The switchbacks. And the sandwiches. And the sandwiches. So let's start with, uh, we went to Isabella Island. Uh, Those with a weak stomach might not want to take the (laughs) three-hour boat ride to get to... It was like two and a half. Friends, they call it a ferry... It was a speedboat speed through boat. the middle of the ocean. We were probably in a bay. I don't know. But it felt like you're going through the middle of the ocean in a regular size speedboat with 20 people in life jackets, just crashing the waves. We were crashing the waves. They had, I mean, they had huge motors. They were obviously equipped to do this. And this, it is the way that mm-hmm. you get back and forth and supplies and everything. It was, it was fascinating. So we did make it to Isabella Island, which has 2,000 people that live on it, and we stayed at this awesome beachside hotel called the Cormorant Beach House. The Cormorant is a flightless bird that lives on the Galapagos Islands, Mm -hmm. and thus begins uh, our adventure. Yeah, so one of the first days we took a, we rented bikes. We took a bike trip and went out to... How do you say it? Miro de las Lagrimas. Which translates to the Wall of Tears, which is an area that has some history there on the island itself. Yeah. uh, From, unfortunately, probably the most somber part of this hike uh, would be starting there at the Wall of Tears where a penal colony was formed on Isabella Island and prisoners were forced to build a wall. Of stone. It's huge volcanic stone. And I was just looking up. I took taken a picture of the uh, the wooden 
memorial wall that was there. And it said between 1946 and 1959, here ran the infamous Isabella penal colony. In the days, the Galapagos Islands weren't the site we now appreciate, but a distant retreat for adventurers or scary outcasts and a destination for political prisoners and common delinquents. The wall is fascinating. It is, I can't imagine what happened to the people that did it. It says too, sorry, I should continue. It says the wall is the only remaining evidence of a prison camp where abuse of power finished with the lives of many prisoners. This yeah. futile construction is preserved in the memory of those hardships endured by those who were forced to build it during this particular moment in Ecuadorian history. And with that, we bring the episode down. Uh, no. No. But it, I bet it really it, was. It was very somber and it was very quiet. And uh, it, I thought it was interesting, too. I mean, that's not that long ago. No. 1959. Uh, but there was all this new growth that comes out of the rocks, too, right? Like mm-hmm. little trees and flowers. And, um, and they had a memorial there for those that had lost their lives during mm-hmm. that. And they actually, there's not a lot of history on this because there's not a lot of history on the inhabitants of the Galapagos until, you know, because nobody really started going there until the 1900s. Isabella Island actually wasn't inhabited until about a hundred years ago, which is crazy. Uh, but the prisoners did, um, rise up and revolt and were able to, uh, have the, co- the colony was removed. So that's about the farthest place that you could go on this bike trip. You took a sandy path that really went along the beach so you could see the beach the whole time in the water which was beautiful i of course got a beach cruiser yep. with a basket and perfect mike got a brand new mountain bike so halfway through we switched because i could not haul there was like hardly any hills but i could not get that bicycle beach cruiser up there in the sand um, but there's plenty of places to stop on the way back so we really kind of made a whole day of it yeah and there a lot there was local ecuadorians who were who were hiking the whole thing. You could do the whole thing as a hike. It's probably about 10 or 12 miles round trip, but we decided to rent bikes and then we would stop and then do a bunch of mini hikes. Mm-hmm. So after that, we had uh, Camino de las Tortugas where we ran into our first giant Galapagos tortoise out in the wild. Of course, we took about 200 pictures of him. The most wild part and for people that know about tortoises, I just didn't know this, when you start talking to them, they turn their head and look right at you. It's your, I mean, it was just the most incredible creature. Really. You even, so we went after that, after we met our first tortoise, we went to a, <clears throat> a Playa del Amor where we went, I went swimming and we went on a hike around a marine iguana uh, nesting site. Mm-hmm. And when we hiked back out, you just wanted to see how far the tortoise had moved. Oh, yeah. I wanted to so go back because so, he was crossing the road when we encountered yep. him. So you went back and then you came back and you're like, hasn't gone very far. Not an inch. What a hadn't moved an inch. That sweetie animal. Mm-hmm. And speaking of sweetie, wild, random animals on the Galapagos that are only found there, that's what endemic is. They're only there. Uh, the marine iguana. They were really fascinating. So they were a really kind of deep black color, which is, of course, what the volcanic rock looks like. So I found them consistently hard to spot. And they hang out everywhere. There's so many. There's so many. From when we got off that ferry to when we were on this hike, and we'll talk about it again, but, I mean, they're everywhere. Everywhere. And they swim. 
obviously. Only, only iguana obviously. to Marine swim. Uh, and they're land animals, which is it's just wild. Yeah. Big and small and tons of them sleeping around everywhere. And then the last stop we did was uh, the central Centro de la Crianza, where I saw flamingos on my hike. And would you like to tell our listeners what you did? So there's a, well, sure. There's a boardwalk and there's a rule on all the signs that says, stay two meters away from all animals that you see. And there was these humongous marine iguanas that were lounging on the boardwalk. And you would have to have walked right by them. And so after several attempts, building up my courage, I couldn't do it. And they would shuffle a little bit sometimes. They would wake up and move yeah. around a little bit. shift just a little bit. So Mike went on his own, and I just went to the beach. But overall, uh, the I would call it, um, you know, you, you hike Alto Muro de las Agrimas, and then you work your way back. It's the way we did it. Nice, random collection of history, wildlife, and scenery there. It's beautiful. Yeah. And our sandwich to get ready for that hike, we had them at breakfast. Mm-hmm. There was a croissant man on Isabella Island. Well, that's what we thought of him as. I don't know if he really is. But the place that we had back breakfast was across the street from our hotel. They kind of had a partnership going on. So we went there every day for breakfast. And they had the really amazing croissants. And we would see the guy that was, like, kind of by the kitchen area. And one day he brought the pan out. Like, he and he took it out to his took car. Took it out, put it in his back seat, and shut the door. And we were always like, that must be the croissant, like, the yep. croissant pan. And he also, we saw him around town. Because once you got to Isabella Island, mm-hmm. oh, you yeah. saw everybody over and over again. And he seemed to be hanging out everywhere. Yeah. Seemed to be, he could have been mayor. Yeah, but so on those, we had, they had jam and, of course, some cheese. Um, I put egg. Yeah, you made like a breakfast. Sandwich. And queso yeah. on that. I kind of channeled that inter- that Jerome sandwich. Our yeah. friend Jerome has made. Yeah, Jerome which is makes like, a really good sandwich. Don't tell the recipe. I think it's secret. Okay, well, I was channeling my inner Jerome on this sandwich by combining the jam and the butter with the egg and the queso, and it got us. That's pretty much the recipe. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jerome. Yeah. Next hike, you want to talk about yeah, the I'll Sierra talk about it. Negra Volcano. So this hike, we took a, a truck. They picked us up. And, every, and just in Galapagos, every, all the cabs are pickup trucks. Yeah, it took us not very far, but it took us through a really different climate area of the region. So it was almost like rainforest-like. Yep. The clouds are really low. It was misty. It was cool. And that was kind of how the start of the hike went. It was supposed to be 16 kilometers, roughly 10 miles, I guess. And so five out and five back, basically. And um, so we started the trek. Javier At a set hot pace. Javier set a pace for us, friends. Yeah. And so did everybody. We were with a family of four, an, an, like two other couples, and then a, a lady. And... Everybody was moving. Everybody was moving. I mean, there's no shock. We've talked about it before. I'm a pretty slow hiker. But these people were moving. Anyway. We did 25-minute miles up to, this is the second biggest caldera rim in the entire world, Volcano Sierra Negra. 
And I mean, it was magnificent. It was six kilometers in width. You get up there and it's just hard to eat. You can't even take a panorama photo to see the whole thing. And it's buried inward with volcanic rock and volcanic ash. So most of the tour guides that we had were all very good and consistently able to identify different flora and animals that were either in like from the area or had been introduced to the area, which of course there is a big deal. And so it doesn't take you very long to hike up to what they call kind of the top of this volcano, but you have to walk around it a decent amount to get a view because there's all sorts of trees. I don't remember what kind the tree was that he said, but that had been introduced and are just grown wild in that area. So it kind of blocks the view of that crater. He kept calling it a cauldron though. I think a caldera, a caldera. Yes. Yeah. So that it was pretty. It was a pretty amazing sight, of which I thought was close to the end of the hike. Yes. Yeah, so we went hiking a little further to another viewpoint. Where then he asked us, "Wait, before you say that, I sh- we should also say when we were looking at that crater, he said I have a surprise for you guys because of course they're talking about all the vo- volcanic activity in the area that created what we yes. are all looking at." And he whips out this picture from his backpack, and it is of live molten lava lava flowing kind of exactly where we were standing and showing how portions of that were formed and the weak spots of where they believe the next activity is going to be and where that flows out of, which is really just below where we were standing. Right where I we mean, were. It's the only volcano. There's five, I think – somewhat active volcano stone is Island. Island. It's the only one you can go hike up and around. Yeah. So anyway, the picture was just, it, he was right. It was kind of a treat to be able to see it in, in different forms when you were standing. And this up. wasn't that long ago. And the funniest part was he no. said, the only bummer about this whole thing was I was in Quito, which is the capital yeah, of Ecuador on the mainland. And he said he missed it. He did talk a decent <laughs> amount too, though, about how some of those volcanic eruptions were the beginning of higher end tourism there. Yes. That people would go to see that because it was so unique. On Isabella Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we, we hiked up to the second viewpoint. It was only like five or six, four minutes. It wasn't very far. And we had a nice unshaded uh, shaded spot where he uh we just took a break and for some reason he said we could have our snack which he gave us right before we boarded the pickup in town which was a sandwich a sandwich with a juice box with a juice box which is peach juice and i don't know if it was heat i don't think we covered this so we started in that misty whatever rainforest and very quickly it became like arid i don't necessarily know what that means but like desert it was arid desert meets we're on the equator folks so it is sun beating down hot so anyway we're sitting in the shaded area to eat our sandwiches and this peach juice is just delicious against the heat and a lot of us i know specifically the family of four thought that was it and that we would be heading back so let's talk about the sandwich for a second because we yeah. devoured it. Ate it so fast. Uh, <laughs> uh, probably a cro- – it was more like a croissant, I guess. It was like a bun. A bun. That had queso again and jam. And when we say queso, uh, we mean queso fresca. Like thick white cheese. Thick white triangles. Yeah, with like a jam marmalade of some sort. And I don't know if it was the heat. I don't, I don't know. know if it was the hike. But folks, 
this is the best damn sandwich I've had on this podcast season. I mean, it was pretty good. It was great. We devoured it. And then I was getting, I was really like thinking about patting myself on the back. We were I, talking about how we thought it was maybe a little short. I felt like we still had a few more miles. And he had told us in Spanish on the way up, he said, we'll get to this spot. He said, think of this as two hikes. I, I heard him I say, heard that in, say that. I too. And he translated that portion in English. And it kind of, this was an hour or so before, kind of went in one ear out the other. Let's let's just fast forward, friends. He told us to get get on up, and we were headed down into this hot. He said, "We're gonna go down into this hot arid desert. We're gonna go all the way out to Volcan Chico, where we're gonna have this amazing view of the Pacific Ocean. Oh my God! All the other volcanic calderas around Isabella Island. He said, and when we come back up this three kilometer, yeah, you're gonna three need your way, water. You're gonna need your water." It's going to be roasting, folks. Let's go. And he set out with another... Another feverish pace. Javier was not messing around. No. And off we went into... I would... This is where I felt like all of a sudden we were in... It reminded me of Hawaii. This... It was it was incredible. Uh, lava rock, arid desert, views of the ocean, holes... Lava tunnels, lava tube holes everywhere. I mean, it was it was an incredible, one of the best hikes I've ever gone on. Yeah, you mentioned that a few times, you know, just how wowed you were by it. There was those, what are they, oh, I wish, I don't really have the internet now to look it up. You know where it's the hole where, like, a volcano, it releases the steam and stuff? I guess it could also. Hum- I think they call it uh, humidors there. Humidors? I think those are Spanish, the Spanish. I don't, okay. Because you could go see them. Okay. He was talking, I think, too, about how, you know, those are kind of plotted everywhere that we were at. And on like a rainy day, you could see things kind of coming up through there, but you wouldn't be able to see the views of the Pacific Ocean. So he was kind of talking about the difference of what the hike would be depending on the weather. And there was no rain that day. There was no rain. There was not a cloud in the sky. I don't think there was. It was. It was hot, guys. It was hot. But it was cool. Like, there was these tunnels where you could see where the lava had gone down. There's one specific trail you take through this portion of the hike because they've kind of determined that's the most stable. Most of the areas out there are not very stable just because of the volcanic activity. So then we finally got to Volcan Chico, which was one of the newer, younger volcanoes there. And we plopped, and he plopped us down. He said, now we're halfway. Yeah. (laughs) The look on your face. Oh, wow. It was, well, and I have to say, I was, and this is probably also a constant, I was very unprepared. I just had, I didn't think about the power, the of, the, power of the sun. On the equator. You know, I'm dressed in a tank top and I don't have a hat on. And of course I was lathered up in sunscreen, but that's of no contest to what we were up against. And Mike had put, Mike always follows whatever the guides do, which is really smart. So he had put his bandana like under his hat to cover his neck. And, but you were in a tank top too. Yeah, but I. You handle the sun a bit better. Yeah. Anyway. So then. Shortcut to nursing my sunburn for the next five days. Still working on that here in Cotopaxi. Mm -hmm. Uh, The hike down. Wish we would have had a second sandwich from Javier. Or a juice box. I was begging for another juice box. But we had a couple crackers and then we 
we hit back up to the Sierra Negra and then we trucked down. And I'll t- I don't know if everybody was just trying just wanted to get out of the sun, get out of the sun, or they wanted to turn in their PR on uh, by kilometer mileage that day. But we got out of there. So fa- we did a 10 mile with multiple breaks. I mean, we were back at our hotel for uh, lunch. Yeah, it was the, the group. The group set a set a really quick pace, uh, but it was really fun. We didn't want to be out there any longer because of the sun. No, but it was you know, it was you need to be prepared if you go. So if you go to Isabella Island on the Galapagos, which is uh, we figured out there's no air since there's not really any plane rides. It's definitely a less inhabited island. Most people only go do a day trip there, mm-hmm. or if you take a cruise, which we did not do, uh, people will buzz over there on these ports, but. There's some really cool hiking there on the island. So then we stayed on Santa Cruz Island, which felt like a thriving metropolis Mm -hmm. after being there. 10,000 people live in the town of Puerto Ayora. And we took a cab and rented uh, bikes, put them in the back of the pickup truck, and rode to the top of the island, which is the Highlands, which again is kind of that same climate that I mentioned before. It almost feels rainforestish. It's it low is. hanging clouds. It's really misty. It can be cool. It's the, a little the, humid that day. You walk through the forest. It kind of looks like something out of Washington State yeah. or Oregon a little bit, mm-hmm. with all the moss really on the trees. Lush and, yeah. yeah. And uh, the idea was we took a we did a thirty five k bike ride back down to Puerto Ayora, stopping and doing a couple different hikes. So the first hike we did was Los Gimoles, which was two um, huge pieces of land that had basically imploded. Yeah, so we actually thought they were craters. And then we walked upon a sign that said, These are not craters. You probably think this is a crater. It is not. But it was, again, because of the volcanic activity, it had kind of caved in on itself. Yeah. Really neat hike, though, walking through there. Saw some Darwin finch birds. Mm -hmm. Saw some really amazing trees. Actually, that's what kind of reminds me of this hike was... uh, it was really short, though, too. It was not that long of a hike. You were able. It was just a path. That yeah, you were able I think to it was two, kilom- uh, two, two miles yeah. total. Then we zoomed down the highlands, and then we biked and walked. <laughs> Hiked, I would think, would be a better word. Yeah. Walk is a tough word. In this muddy up-and-down hill through the El Chateau farm at a tortoise reserve where they let tortoises. So <clears throat> when people first started coming there they were they decimated the tortoise population not not uh local people inhabiting it but uh pirates and conquestors from europe because tortoises don't need water for a year to survive or food sometimes so they would take them on their boats back to europe and to eat them uh so as a result of that because it would always be like fresh meat so you could keep them in in like stow away until you needed them but some of the one of the guides that we had too i think everybody ate them i I don't think they they realized they were decimating the population because he said he remembered as a kid eating them so now there's a conservation effort uh on its way to make sure that these animals don't go extinct so this is an area where they basically have the ability to roam free 
Yeah. And I'll tell you what. There was so many. So many. Huge turtles. I mean, we probably saw 30. Oh, yeah. And we probably missed a few pushing our bikes up and down the muddy hills on the hike. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was just, it was a ton. It was pretty cool. Some were out on the trail. Some were just nearby. And every time we would stop and look, they would turn their necks. Yeah. Look at you. And then when a car came by, because you can... Because they were kind of by the road. Some of them, of course. You could, a car, you could go down there and... There's a restaurant at the El Chateau farm and you can take a tour. Uh, we watched the tortoise retreat into its shell. Yeah, which was pretty neat to see for um, an animal that big. I felt like when we would get too close, which we weren't really very close, we stayed within the suggested amount, uh, they would make a sound too to kind of like as a warning kind mm-hmm. of to back off. Yeah. But that so that was right outside of Santa Rosa, which we stopped at a little I guess T- I was going to say, like, it was like a food truck. It wasn't a truck. A little food stand, I yep. guess, to have lunch. Had delicious empanadas. Absolutely. And then hit um, back on the highway. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> not the highway. highway. The road. There's a nice, really, actually, a really nice bike lane that they have yeah, there. Yeah, great bike lane there. So, I mean, I would definitely suggest if you were to stay on Santa Cruz Island, going up to the highlands, uh... If our friends from Bike and Smile reopen after the pandemic, rent the e-bikes and you can go both ways. If not, it's I mean it for us it was 35k back down to town only going one way and there was definitely a lot of <clears throat> flat and up uphill spots even though you were going down. Going up there and back, I think you got to be in for like a cycling tour. I mean, you either have to it's going to take you a long time. Of course, it would depend on your bike. You could do. I mean, people did it. We watched them do it, and I think for some people that was how they move um, from place to place. But we did, that would have been a lot. And one, it still took us like now we dinked around. Still took us four hours. Yeah, five four hours. hours. We stopped in. Was it uh, Bell? Yeah, Bella Vista. Bella Vista. That's a, one other place you could do a switchback on your way back to yeah. Puerto Iora. We could not find these lava tunnels, which are some of the biggest and or some of the longest in South America. Partly because we ran in, the whole town was out watching. It was like a community men's volleyball tournament, like in the town square. And it felt like all the guys were over like 45 that were playing. It did. Maybe 50. And, and we there's just, a fish fry and there is lot. So we kind of got distracted. Yeah. So, so we, we scrapped the last switch back and said, hung out with uh, watching, watching the locals do their thing on a Sunday, which I think wound up being better as we've had a lot of switchbacks in yeah. Ecuador. Yeah. Uh, any parting words on the Galapagos Islands switchbacks and sandwiches? Not really. I think it's such a unique place if you get the opportunity to go. Of course, most people, I think, when they if they know about it, they think about the animals, which of course is such a a wonderful piece of it. Um, we saw plenty of animals, though, friends. Oh, yeah. I know the other the other hike we did do was. Uh, we went on a day trip to Seymour Island where you do a hike yeah. and we saw baby seals like, four days old and seven days old. That's what our guide thought because he'd been there like every day um, over the past couple of weeks and we saw huge birds. The magnificent frigate bird, which has the, it's a black bird with a red pouch during breeding under its, season. Under its neck. That looks like a huge heart. It swells up when they're trying to attract a mate. 
And of course, the blue-footed booby, which yes. is what many people loved to see in the Galapagos. Yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of there's a lot of hiking that you can combine while seeing the wild. And there was a ton of other activity that we did too. There are different adventures that I'm sure you'll be writing about too yeah. for the site. But I mean, there's just there's an unlimited amount of adventure stuff to do, and the people there are absolutely wonderful, and we just had such a nice nice experience. Yeah, and I guess I would say the theme of the sandwich is definitely a kind of a an Ecuadorian uh, Jerome Chris, reinventing Jerome's old sandwich. With a little uh, South American twist. Guess so. It was good. I'd have it again. I would too. We just might. So this is uh, part one of two on Ecuador, friends. We're going to be back in a week or two with part two. Uh, we got, I got my butt handed to today on a hike, friends. <laughs> and I got my handed to me the day before. So we got, and we still got another place that we're going to uh, tomorrow. So we will get that second episode up, which is going to be the mainland Ecuador hiking. And that's all we got for right now. Uh, thanks for listening. If you don't already, we'd love for you to subscribe. If you like the episodes, we'd love for you to leave us a review. And you can stay up to date with everything we have going on. Hashtag 59.com. From there, pick our social channels or email newsletter to always see when our new blogs, podcasts, offerings, and trash cleanup events are coming out. That's it, friends. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.